0: And then that's when I told Rach, oh wait, we're live? <laughs> Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Yes, I, I'm a fool, but it's fine. Uh, joining me today, as always, is my good friend Walker Howell. And this is the primary reason why we have him on the podcast. Yes. That's, that's, how, that's how I make the big bucks. All right. Um, anyway... <laughs>
1: That's, that's deception right there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're calling it big bucks. <laughs>
0: yeah. The only big bucks I've seen are back home in West Virginia. Anyway, point is, my name is Isaiah. I like to be goofy, but now it's time to get serious. Welcome back to the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. Again, Isaiah and Walker, as always, and our first returning guest, Timothy Secula. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself, just for those who weren't able to listen to the first episode.
2: So hi, yeah. My name is Timothy Scula. I am a uh, fellow student here at Freed. I am stud- studying Bible and emphasis in youth and family ministry, helping to do that outside of the college life. I am also uh, one of the. Uh, I am the editor at uh, Exhort One Another website, uh, which you can find us on Facebook by typing it at EOA website. Yep,
1: and today we are thankful for Tim being on the podcast, and we're also thankful uh, for the topic that we're talking about today, which is something that um, many struggle with, but it's something that needs to be addressed and what the Bible has to talk about. it. So, um, Isaiah, what are we talking about today?
0: Well, again, Walker, uh, the tagline for this season is, wait, the Bible talks about dot dot dot. And what follows that dot 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 is always a difficult subject, like you said, mm-hmm. and it's a subject that applies to a lot of people. Um, And so before we actually introduce the subject, we just want to remind everybody at home that our goal is to not attack anyone, but rather to show what the Bible says and to do so with love and to do so with sincerity, but also not sugarcoating anything. We want to make sure that we're saying what the Bible says, but we're saying it with love. And today's episode, that dot, dot, dot that I mentioned earlier is followed by poverty. Now, what is poverty?
1: Well, uh, we looked up the poverty definition on the internet, and we didn't like the definition that it gave, so we, we made a better definition for it, and the definition that um, we came up with was, poverty is the state of having few material possessions or little income, um, And because the internet definition was kind of harsh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, um, and so, you know, poverty is something that a lot of people in the world are struggling with, 689 people um, and I know that's a million. small number
0: compared to million people. Yeah,
1: that, did I say billion or million? I don't you, you said six hundred and eighty-nine people. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you I thought I said billion. I'm <laughs> sorry, six hundred eighty-nine million people. This is why I have these two guys here to correct me. Um, six hundred eighty-nine million people. Um, that's about nine point two percent of the world live in extreme poverty, and what we mean by extreme poverty is less than a dollar and ninety cents a day, according to the World Bank. Um, in the United States. 10.5% of the population, or 34 million people, live in poverty as of 2019. Um, for an individual in the U.S., the poverty line is $12,880 a year, or about $35.28 per day. And so, I guess the big question is: Is well, why are we living in poverty whenever we serve such a all-powerful? Almighty God who blesses us beyond measure and I guess that's where we lead into our discussion today is why would
2: Jesus allow for poverty to happen? I think that is a very complicated question because that begins to dig a little bit into the nature of how God acts in the world. Mm-hmm. Um we of course live a day-to-day life that is full of circumstances that is full of seemingly random events. Uh, yet, we fa- we encounter scripture which is full of providence, which is, uh, we see this in books like Esther especially, where God works all things for a specific purpose. However, we can sometimes correlate the two and think that somehow God is expounding upon us suffering in order to better us in some way. And I, I think that's a very a very incomplete view of how God works. God is not a God that intends us to suffer. However, he is intentional in how he allows us to get out of that. And I think the best place to do this is Genesis chapter 45, talking about Joseph. Uh, I'm sure many of us are familiar with the story of Joseph, but if not, uh, Joseph was a young man, the 11th brother out of 12 of his father, born to one of uh, four mothers of his father, the favorite. And and as such, he got preferential treatment, which his brothers did not like, which many of us siblings can relate to. However, the part we cannot relate to is they then attempted to kill him, in which the oldest piped up and said, that's probably not a great idea. And they thus sold him into slavery in Egypt. After a while in slavery in Egypt, uh, he becomes head of Potiphar's house, And an encounter with Potiphar's wife, in which he was falsely blamed for terrible acts, left him in the belly of Potiphar's prison. There he encounters the chief priest and the baker after making a name with himself uh, with the guards of the prison. And now he's interpreting dreams for them. And eventually that connection will lead him to interpreting dreams for Pharaoh and becoming governor of Egypt, second in command. If it were vice governor, as I've heard some people attempt to explain it in more modern terms, whether or not that's necessarily accurate to the description of the day. Mm-hmm. However, whenever Joseph reencounters his brothers in the midst of poverty-stricken Egypt and Canaan, he says something very interesting, especially as we center in around verses 3 through 8 in chapter 45 of Genesis. Uh... So he, he recounts his story to his brothers, so they trust him. The, obviously, this isn't something that he's just heard about. These, he, he has experienced this. This is the same Joseph. Uh, starting in verse 5, But now do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all of Egypt. What Joseph here is saying is that you have done this to me. This is a very evil action. And yet God through that action is intended good. So I don't think God necessarily causes suffering. However, I do believe he works through
0: it. This is true. Uh, and I think maybe a good way of, of summing up that that point or uh, or reiterating that point comes at the end of the story of Joseph in chapter 50. Um, at this point in the story, uh, all of Joseph's family, including his father, had moved down to Egypt permanently, uh, as that was the only really source, source uh, country that had any source of food at the moment. Uh, huge famine going on. And, and that's, that's why the brothers were in Egypt in the first place. We were, they were looking for some food. Uh, and so all of Joseph's family is down here. And when his father, Jacob, dies, the brothers start to worry. They're like, oh, no. What if Joseph was just holding out on revenge until Jacob died, until our father died? And now he's going to come back for us. And, and now, now he's going to get his revenge. So they come up to him. And they're like, hey, um... So, you know, all those terrible things that we did to you all that long time ago, we're good, right? We're, we're, there's no beef here, right? Uh, and Joseph, of course, that was the Isaiah or standard version, as we've come to say around here, um, but Joseph in verse 19 of chapter 50 says to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So I think, first of all, that shows Joseph's humility. He recognizes that he is not God, that, uh, that God is over him, that God has authority, uh, which is something that all Christians need to be reminded of. But as, as Tim said, as Tim was pointing out, the brothers did this action out of evil. Their hearts were filled with evil, and so they acted on this evil desire. And even though that's not necessarily what God would have wanted, it worked in accordance, or he was able to work with that in accordance with his will. He was able to turn that evil situation into something good. Um, And I think that really shows how God works today, right? God does not cause the evil to happen. He does not want the evil to happen, but he can work through that evil for the good of his people.
2: So I, I think that begs the question, where does suffering come from with things like this? And I think there's, a pl- I think there's no better place to turn to this than our first glimpse at suffering uh, way back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. Um, as, as part of living in a sin-stained world, uh, God, God pronounces these curses, and part of that is that these, uh, that work will be difficult for Adam. In Genesis chapter 3, especially verses 17 through 19, uh, that the, he shall eat bread by the sweat of his brow. And sometimes as we've gone on and as humanity has sinned more and more, as we read even in chapter 6, just a few short chapters later, uh, their minds are set on evil continually. We, we now have sin-stained pe- people living in a sin-stained world, doing things against God's will. And that causes a lot of disparity, be it because of race, because because of location, because of uh, background, because of religion, any any sort of factors play in to what causes financial struggle. Most
1: definitely, and um, you know, I guess this leads into the question of how would um, God want us, or how would Jesus Himself want us to deal with poverty? when we are uh faced with it um and i think one of the first things we have to do whenever we uh are living in a state where we just feel like we're we're not making any progress or we feel like that god is not there to help us or um he he's not with us at the time i think we gotta we gotta glorify god and this is something that's sort of it, it's been thrown all around a lot that seems to be like the solution to every problem if you were to ask a bible major or if you were to ask someone who is a minister or something they'll be like pray about it or go to god about it but i think we often throw that term around very loosely and it has affected a lot of people who are especially going through these type things um but i think it's also something that we need to step back and reevaluate what that phrase actually means glorify god in all circumstances
0: um we were at a, a Devo a few weeks ago, or at least a few of us were, um, and the, the speaker, this wasn't his main point, mm-hmm. but it's the point that's stuck with me the most. Um, he mentioned that we need to serve God in the struggle, right? Even when it's difficult, even when we're going through a difficult time, you know, whether that be because of financial hardships or whether that be because of uh, relationship trouble or... Uh, whatever it may be, serve God in the struggle. And that's something that I've personally been not very good at. Uh, that's something that I am struggling with to have a little bit of wordplay play there. Um, you know, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've been down, where I've been, you know, ki- kicked around, I've been hurting, I've been suffering. And instead of glorifying God in that instance like Joseph did or like Job did, right? When we look at the story of Job, we can see a great example uh, from him. But in, you know, instead of turning to God and glorifying him in those instances, I would turn to the world. And that's still something that I'm trying to fix. That's still something that I'm, uh, that I'm still working on. And like we say every episode, we're not perfect Right, And we're, we're trying to show ourselves as genuine human people on this podcast who struggle with genuine human topics. Um, and one of those for me is turning to God when I'm suffering, turning to God when I'm upset. And a verse that I don't remember as much as I need to, mm-hmm. uh, but a verse that I remembered is James chapter 5 and verse 13. James says at the end of his epistle, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praise. So James is saying, when you're down, look to God. And when you're up, look to God. Because no matter where you are, you're there. And so you need to glorify God in that instance.
1: Definitely. And whenever um, whenever I think about this idea of going to God uh, or glorifying God in any circumstance, I'm also reminded that God tells us to bring our troubles to him. Matthew 11 and verse 28 says coming to me all ye who are heavy laden i will give you rest and so he wants us to bring our burdens to him he wants us to bring our cares to him and it doesn't even it, it it's it applies to all the problems that you have not just it maybe it's this problem that we're talking about today or it's another problem in your life whatever the problem is bring it to god he wants to hear your struggles he wants to hear your care or he wants to hear um what you're going through so he can help you through it um and sometimes it can be hard to do that but we can also just glorify God by just looking unto Him. I mean, right, Tim?
2: Yeah, m- most definitely. Um, uh, Matthew chapter six, part of the Great Sermon on the Mount, uh, he goes into this section, in verses nineteen through uh, twenty-one, talking about laying up your treasures in heaven. And he specifically says, "For where your treasures, uh, treasure is, there your heart will be also." Mm-hmm. Um, the intent of the heart, uh, the intent of the heart, and the mindset. Uh, of a Christian when dealing with these things. It should be to glorify God uh, in all of these things. And focus is one of the biggest parts of our mindset um, because what we bring into our lives is what we get out of our lives. Um, we, we had a speaker in chapel not too long ago who talked about how uh, their kid would play this game in the car called Yellow Car. Every time they got in the car, they'd look for as many yellow cars as possible. Uh, but at, at the end of the car ride, he once asked them, so how many red cars did you see? And there wasn't an answer. Because what we focus on, that's the information we're getting in. Uh, that, that's confirmation bias. And that applies even for a Christian who should be focusing on God. And, and so as such, we need to get our whole mindset right. We, starting with our focus, but then also how we view our situation. Because once we focus on God, that sheds a new light on where we are financially. Mm-hmm. Does it not? Uh, and there's kind of a big contrast in a couple of stories in Jesus' life that show this. Uh, there's two passages I want to bring to attention. Uh, Mark chapter 12, starting verses uh, 41 and going through verse 44, and Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. These are two stories, both relating to finances in Jesus's life, in which Jesus has two very different, two different, not very different, but different reactions uh, to what's happening here because the people are coming from different circumstances and different mindsets. So the Mark chapter 12 passage is a passage talking about a widow who's coming to the temple to offer alms. And so they, they would passed by the collection box and people would constantly be walking by and putting in perhaps large amounts of money in order to make themselves appear as though they were generous. And yet here comes a widow. Widows in those days were not able to hold their own jobs. They were reliant on children if they had any otherwise family members. And if not, the generosity of those around. And so she comes through this line in order to give. And it's a very moving moment, because as we get into it here, Jesus notices something about the woman that the other people around did not, and he calls it out to his disciples. Uh, So starting in verse 41, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes the quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. I want us to keep that fresh in our mind here as we turn over to Matthew chapter 19, where we're going to see a very different interaction with Jesus take place. Matthew chapter 19 is the story of Jesus talking with the rich rich young ruler. Uh, The rich young ruler is clearly a good guy. At least he thinks so. Uh, Because Jesus calls him out, you love God, keep his commandments. And he says, I have kept them all from my youth. A very bold claim. A claim which Jesus does not deny. uh, Which is notable. However, he still lacks one thing. Uh, so we're, we're going to jump down to verse 20 here in Matthew chapter 19. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But the young man heard that saying. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I want to I point out that another gospel uh, prefaces Jesus' statement by saying that Jesus looked on, upon him and had compassion for him before saying this. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is a verse many of us know without knowing it.
1: <laughs>
2: for the love of money is the root of all evil. The stumbling block for the rich and ruler was not a stumbling block for the uh, widow. Whenever he had much, he allowed it to separate him from God. The widow was using what little she had in order to glorify God. It's not necessarily a contrast of who had more to give. You know, we might look at a church with a bigger contribution budget and say, man, they've really got
0: something going. Mm -hmm. It's about what we do with it. You bring up a lot of good points, Tim. Uh, And I really liked the way that you phrased it when you started talking about the widow. You said that Jesus looked at her and saw something that no one else had seen. And that's what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to look through the eyes of Jesus, right? I mean, that's the entire name of the show, right? You know, if, the, if this is a movie, I would go, ah, they said the name of the movie, right? Anyway, <laughs> but the point of the show is to help us see things through the eyes of Jesus. And I think an important lesson here is when we're looking at the people around us, we need to take off those worldly glasses and we need to put on glasses that Jesus had. And when doing that, that opens up our hearts, right? It allows us to have compassion on people around us like Jesus had compassion for them. Mm-hmm. And when we have that compassion, then we can start to live as Jesus lived and to help G- as Jesus helped. And I just have one more quick point that I want to make here. Um, when we look at that verse in First Timothy chapter 6, uh, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Uh, and it even goes as far as to say that it's because of this love of money that a lot of people have fallen away from the church. Uh, we're not saying that being poor is a sin. That is not what we're saying at all. We're also not saying that being rich is a sin. Those two things are, are irrelevant in terms of, uh, you know, whether or not it's a sin, right? You can be poor and be a Christian. You can be rich and be a Christian. Those two things don't matter. It, it all boils back down to what Tim said. It matters what we do with that, right? If we're poor, but we're still giving to the church or we're still helping those around us, then that's what needs to be done, right? And uh, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but God's not going to expect us to give everything that we have. Right. If, he did, uh, you know, if, if we do that, then we can expect that the people around us will help us in our time of need partly because they're Christian and partly because they know that we've helped so many other people in their lives. Definitely. Uh, you have something else? I'll keep going. No? Okay.
1: Um, you know, as you mentioned, like this, and as you already know, this is the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. And so this is something that we didn't, I don't think we originally discussed or maybe we did and I don't remember. That's a very strong possibility. <laughs> but, um, and that is, why not just go back to the birth of Jesus himself? Because if we recall in Matthew chapter one, And the birth of Jesus starts around verse eighteen. We see that he didn't have. Whenever he was born, he didn't even have a place to lay his head. He was one who what who lacked material things, which was a place to lay his head. But yet he used that in the future for the furtherance of his kingdom. He used that to give glory to God. Jesus wasn't probably the most wealthiest man on earth. He didn't want to be the most wealthiest man on earth. He didn't want to um, be that way. Instead, he lived in a way where he had little, but he did much with the little that he had. And he used everything that he did to glorify the Father, to glorify the kingdom, and to help the kingdom grow.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, Walker. So uh, so that, that's our advice to those who are struggling uh, with this, this worldly problem of poverty. If they don't have enough to meet their physical needs, mm-hmm. uh, our advice is glorify God with all you have, and, and give him your heart. Give him your trust.
2: I, I think another point with our mindset point is to be aware of what our focus is on. Because God has offered us far more than material possessions. Uh, in John chapter 14, John, uh, Jesus is nearing the end of his life. And he promises that where he's going, he's going to prepare a place for his disciples. Uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. We get that promise and we also get promises... Like in Matthew, at the end of Matthew chapter six, where uh, G- Jesus is talking about uh, anxiety and is it tells us that the uh, God knows what we need. Mm-hmm. He compares us to sparrows who were sold for extremely cheap prices in Jesus's day, to flowers in a field that quickly wither. We are of value to God, and He knows what we need. And so that focus should be on God um we that's why a little bit earlier in Matthew chapter 6 he does emphasize the laying up of treasure in heaven because the eye is the lamp of the body what we let into our life
0: is what shines out absolutely uh all three of us here are taking a personal evangelism class here at freed Hartman. Um, and recently we had a, a, a speaker come in uh, and he was talking about how to reach out to people who are apathetic about the gospel, who, who don't care about, uh, who, who don't care about the Bible, who don't have a strong opinion one way or the other about God. Uh, and something that brought, was brought up in, in that class, was the joy that we can have as Christians because if we're not joyful as Christians then our evangelism means nothing right if we are down in the dumps all mopey uh, trying to evangelize then people are going to look at us and be like I'm a lot happier than you are right now why should I become a Christian but the point is um, we have joy as Christians right not only do we have joy here on earth because of the blessings that God has given us, but we will have eternal joy with him in heaven. And it, uh, I was reminded in that class of one of my favorite verses, probably my favorite verse right now in the scriptures. That is Romans chapter eight and verse 18, where Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen. He says, yes, you're going through these hard times. Yes, you're suffering. Yes, you may be in poverty. Yes, you may be going under undergoing persecution. And that sucks. I'm not going to say it doesn't. But guess what? We've got something so much better than that waiting for us in heaven. We've got something so good that it's not even worth comparing to what we're going on or what we're going through uh, down here. It's so much better. And if we can keep that at the forefront of our minds, right? We If we uh, keep... The distraction of poverty off of our minds and focus on the pearly gates and those streets of gold. That's all the riches that we need. That's all that we need. And we can obtain those riches. We can have that mansion in heaven with Christ if we're faithful to him.
1: Definitely. Um, and, you know, you hit on about focusing on the eternal goal. Uh, this past week, i had the opportunity to speak at um, the Children's Psalm here in uh, West Tennessee. And it's a privilege um, and a blessing to do so. And the lesson that I have given to them was about uh, being different and being transformed from the world. And if we are going to, uh, if we are going to uh, live a life where we focus on heaven, we focus on the eternal goal. It starts the, it starts the psychological mindset change. We mentioned this um, in previous episodes before, but Romans 12, 1 and two about transforming your mind and setting your minds on things above. Um, And you know, we often mention this verse, but I think it's a verse that we can read, we can talk about, but how often do we actually apply it to our lives? And you may be asking the question, well, uh, it's hard to look to heaven, especially whenever we don't know if, maybe you're struggling with uh, the idea that heaven is actually real or that you don't know it's going to be there whenever you pass. And that can definitely be a legitimate concern um, especially if you haven't, or especially if no one has ever studied that with you. And so that's why we want to help you. And we have future episode coming in the future talking about this idea. Um, but the thing that I can tell you now is that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. And so right now, during your times of struggle, the thing that we should be working on is building up our faith to the strongest that it can be. Because as we reminded you in previous episodes, God's not going to put you through anything that you can't handle. So whatever you're going through now is temporary. God's not going to push you through something you can't handle, but he ultimately wants you to use the knowledge that you have, use the wisdom that you have, turn to him and let him help guide and direct your life. And whenever you do so and you give glory to God and you know that what you're going through is only temporary, your life can be so much better. It can be so much changed in the future in the way
0: that you live your life going forward. Definitely Walker. Um, so we, we've looked at what to do when you're struggling with poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, our, our responses are glorify God, turn to God, put your faith in God, and, and trust him through it all. Serve him in the struggle, right? But what about for people who have been blessed a little bit more? And I, I'm not saying that God has not blessed those in poverty. I'm just saying that he's given them a different set of blessings maybe than, than people who aren't in poverty. But but for those who aren't struggling in poverty, I mean, we, we looked at the statistic, um, 10.5% of the United States population is in poverty. And while that's a fair amount, there's still an overwhelming majority who aren't in poverty. So what about the viewers who aren't in poverty? What, what should we say to them? How, what advice should we give them about their finances?
1: Well, I think it begins uh, with... Them doing the same exact thing that we talked about for those who may be struggling with this idea of poverty, I think it begins by giving your all to God. And since you've been blessed more financially, helping out those who may not be able to support themselves financially, um, giving back um, to God, giving back to others, being the servant that Christ has called you to be. And whenever we are willing to give and we're a generous giver, not just in the church setting, not just whenever we're at the pews, or in the pews on Sunday morning about to give back to what God has blessed us with. But even outside of the church, we should be generous in our giving. We should be generous in helping others, generous in helping the church even outside of Sunday morning. Um, and so being generous in that way can definitely go a long way with helping, um, with, um, and it can bring so much joy to your life, I think.
0: You know, I think it's interesting when we look at the ministry of Jesus, Mm-hmm. How much? Not only he. Of course, we look at what he did for them spiritually, because he is a spiritual Lord, right? And he he, you know, came and he he performed miracles and he died on the cross for our sins. But at the same point in time, a lot of his ministry was uh, to help people, right? He would heal the sick. He would feed the five thousand. He did. I, I think he did that. He did. The, he fed the five thousand, and then he fed a four thousand right. later, right? right. Jesus' ministry was of course about telling people about the kingdom of God but the way that he went about doing that was by helping people was by showing them love especially people kind of like the widow that we talked about earlier people that weren't really loved that didn't really have anyone to love them maybe uh, they were dirty maybe they were uh, unclean maybe they had some sort of sin about them but The point is that Jesus would look at those people and recognize their needs, and he would meet them. And I think that's what we're called to do as well. First John chapter three, starting in verse 16 says, by this, we know love that Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We can't just say, hey, get well, right? Or, oh, you're hungry? Go, go get something to eat, right? And then go back to our house and have a feast. What sense does that make? It, it, it blows my mind that, and honestly, the more that I talk, the more I realize that I'm guilty of this too. But... The more that we have, the more that we are required to give. Uh, there's a passage in James where he talks about, uh, you know, looking at your brother who is hungry or is naked and saying, you know, ha- have fun. You know, uh, you'll you'll probably get something. Uh, it'll be it'll be fine. You know, don't 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 worry about it. It'll be fine. But uh, and, that, and that passage is James chapter. Uh, excuse me, I, that is the wrong citation. I apologize. Um, but the the point is, uh, looking at your brother or your sister or, and that's just not just Christians, that's anybody, right? Looking at somebody who's in need and not giving them what they need. How is that showing them the love of God?
1: Definitely. Um, and I think it's, it goes back to what you were saying. I mean, we have to, uh, it, it, it really gives off the selfish mentality if we're looking at our brother or our fellow sister in Christ And we see them struggling and we don't do anything to help their struggling um, And that's really a whole other episode for another day about selfishness and uh, not being selfish But in Philippians chapter 2, we see uh, Jesus came and he was selfless and he gave his whole life and he humbled himself uh, In the presence of everyone, uh, even to death
2: on the cross and he did that because he, his goal, like Isaiah was saying, to ultimately serve others. Additionally, we just got done here at Freed this past month with our lectureship week. It's one of the biggest weeks on campus in the spring semester. And our theme this year was he went about doing good, which is possibly one of the best descriptions of a life anyone could ever have. One of the best epitaphs to ever fit on a metaphorical, in this case, tombstone. Um, Jesus' whole life was dedicated to the notion And yet, whenever we say that we're Christians, we're little Christ, are we dedicating our whole lives to the notion? Because there are multiple parables throughout. There's the sheep and the goats, but there's also in Luke uh, the faithful and the evil servant, in which it tells us, to those much has been given, much shall be expected. We can look at the parable of the talents, in which uh, the two servants... Who are given five and then two go out and double theirs. They go out and do the master's work. But the one that was given, the one who just stored it away within themselves, Mm -hmm. is condemned. He's thrown out of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Jesus isn't suggesting that we do good. This is not a, if you get a chance. This is, you need to change your life so that any opportunity that arises, if you are able you are to do good. And if you you cannot do good, find someone who can do good for them. Uh, The paralytic man who is let down through the roof. If we we cannot heal the paralytic man in metaphorical senses, we need to be the ones willing to rip up the roof tiles. That's part of our ministry as well is getting people to the
0: resources that they need. You know, and another parable that uh, kind of brings up that point is the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, before we go there, I just want to say that I did find the passage in James that I was looking for. I did not make it up. It is James <laughs> chapter 2. <laughs> James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. I think it's important for us to actually, you know, be able to cite Scripture for points that we say Scripture backs up for. So I wanted to be able to, to do that there Uh The passage talking about if a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? Um, So that that is an actual verse in scripture. I did not make that up. Just wanted to uh, clear up any confusion that I may have caused by not having the citation or the correct citation in front of me. Uh, But the parable of the sheep and goats, Uh, Jesus is talking here in, in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, and he's he's telling the, this this parable about the final judgment. He's he's talking about how on the last day God will gather all the people up to him. And he's going to separate on his left hand the sheep. And the sheep are the people who have done good, who have helped those around them. And on the right you have the goats. And the goats are the people who have neglected the poor, who have turned away from those who have needed help the most. Uh And the responses that are given by the sheep that are going to heaven with Christ and the goats that are being sent into condemnation, I think is is really, really empowering, Um, empowering. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So that was a bit of a longer passage. But what it's saying is, again, what what Tim pointed out, The command, again, command to help those in need is something that we have to do. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that's just, well, you know, if you feel like it, go ahead and help those around you. No, it's literally saying here in the passage that the best way to be a Christian is to help those around you. Following God comes first, right? There's a a acrostic poem that I was taught as a child, how to find true joy, right? And we were talking about this a little bit earlier in the the show, that Christians have this true joy, and this is where it comes from. Joy, J, starts with Jesus, right? That's how we have joy. So we put Jesus first. O is for others. We serve God, and then we help others. And we put ourselves last. We put you last. And that's how we find joy.
2: Most definitely, but that's a a very—I haven't actually heard that poem before. That's the first time I've heard that, so that's a very good thought and good way to think about this, and it should be our mindset that we should be joyful and willing to give. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to jump around. We've got some scriptures in here. I'm going to jump around that. I've got them out of order, and turn us back to the book of Philippians, which you brought up earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, It's important to set some context to the book of Philippians because it is a letter written as Paul is in prison. And yet, in chapter 4, starting in verse 10, kind of going to the end of the chapter, he is saying, uh, he is thanking them. This whole letter is a letter of thanksgiving, but here is most definitely. Because I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Our joy in giving, A, should not be limited to what we can give. We've already established that point. Uh, But B should be a joy that spreads joy. I had the opportunity to, uh, because of my circumstances, living near the Bowling Green area this past December, be able to be a part of relief efforts on the first week. It was a earth shattering week to go from graduating with my associates to immediately one of the worst tornado events to ever hit Kentucky, touching down a few miles away from my home. To be able to serve others in any capacity should bring us joy because we are being God's hand of mercy in the world. We brought we brought that first point there a long time ago at this point about God allowing suffering. God does not allow suffering. God allows us to help through suffering. And that's where we get Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is strengthening Paul, not through some extra an extra natural sense but through his brethren here in this context because they've been constant in their physical aid to Paul. This is the section where Paul will talk about being content in all things, uh which which is a point we could go into at a later date. However, the Philipp- uh, he ends this section by saying in verse 19, "And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus." Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. We serve a good God, and what we give furthers our kingdom. Why should we not
0: then be willing and joyful to give? Absolutely. And, you know, I think it really goes back to the point that, that you made about how our joy comes from helping others, right? I think, I think a great example is when we look at the early church. Right Right after the church was started in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So immediately after the church begins we find this example of them giving all that they had selling all that they had and giving that to the church in order to help the poor. And this this is repeated at the end of chapter 4 beginning in verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but that they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Listen to this, verse 34. There was not a needy person among them, For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Nowhere in this passage do we see a commandment for the Christians to do this. This was not part of the the Pentecost sermon, right? Peter didn't say, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and then give me all your money. But the Christians did that anyway. Why? Why on earth would they be willing to go away from everything that they had gotten in life, all of their friends, all of their family, all of their possessions, and give that up for Christ? Well, the answer is A, because that's what we're required to do. We're required to give all that we have for Christ, whether that be relationships, whether that be possessions, whatever it be, give it up for Christ because we know that we have a greater treasure, greater treasure laid up in heaven but also be because they wanted to the early christians gave everything they had to help the poor because they wanted to because it brought them joy and if we can look at this and look at them and look at their example then i think we're we're kickstarting the church to being a much better uh, benevolent work right and obviously benevolence should lead to evangelism but the point is that When we give as Christians, the point of giving is to help spread the gospel and to take care of those who are in need. Definitely.
1: And I think it can be easy for uh, us Christians today to fall into this mindset or to fall into this habit of um, becoming uh, very um, repetitive in your actions or um, becoming—what's the word that I'm looking for here— I guess not being as intentional as you should be. Going through um, I, the motions. Going through the motions. Thank becoming you the comfortable. Yes, becoming comfortable. And um, this often happens, especially with... with, um, I know with me personally, this has happened with me recently. Because with my church, my church offers the ability to give online. And so with the ability to give online, you have the opportunity to set up recurring payments. And although that's a great thing, so you don't forget to give, it can also be a bad thing in the sense of... you you tend to forget that you're actually giving and you forget the purpose behind why you're giving. And it can be easy to fall into that trap, especially whenever we're trying to, uh, handle everything in our lives and we're trying to give back. I think it can be easy to forget the purpose and why we're giving. And at the bottom of our episode outline for this episode, we put a little takeaway here, which was living intentionally. And that really sparked an idea for another season, but you'll learn about that later Mm -hmm. on down the road. And, um, Living intentionally is something that um, we can talk about all day long, but it's something that we actually have to put into action. And it's something that we actually have to be disciplined about um, because oftentimes we may find ourselves going through the motions. But if we want to truly live the life of Jesus and have the phrase he went about doing good in our own lives, we have to start by becoming more intentional about how we act, how we uh, go about living our lives, the way that we do all these different things that we talked about today. And it doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on in this podcast episode. no, No matter where you're at, this applies to you because you could be the most, you could be a person who's in poverty but be the most intentional about your faith compared to someone who may not be in poverty and is unintentional about their faith. Or it could be the total opposite or anything in between. So you have to evaluate. We have to evaluate our lives as a whole, myself included, and everyone on this episode included. Of uh, where, how intentional are we? Whenever we actually give back, are we giving back because we want, or because we want to, or are we giving back because we have to and because it's commanded of us? And it goes back to the mindset that we were talking about earlier. Um, it, your your mind has to be focused on doing these things, not just to go through the motions, but to do it to give
0: glory to God, as we referenced in Philippians chapter four. Amen. So that about wraps up this episode unless either of you gentlemen had another point that uh, we wanted to bring up. I got my tangent and I'm good. Um, But just just to quickly review, God does not cause people to suffer. God is not the cause of suffering. The cause of suffering is because we've let sin into our lives. And so because of that and because of the sins of other people, we are affected. And some of that can be in terms of our financial status. But whether you be in extreme poverty or extreme luxury, glorify God. Turn to God, worship God, and put your trust in God. And then give back. Because we know that we have been blessed so much here on earth. Especially if we're living in America. I, I, I know that we looked at the population s- statistic, but even the, the, the poverty level in America is not what it is in other countries. Um, so we need to remember the immense blessings that God has given to us. And we need to make sure that our focus is on the right thing. We cannot be focused on money. We cannot be focused on gaining wealth or gaining possessions Instead, our focus should be on God.
2: Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. First Corinthians 10
0: 31b. We also see that same uh, mindset of Paul in Colossians chapter three and verse seventeen, which if my Bible lo- app would load, I could read for you. Uh Colossians three seventeen, whatever you do in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whether you're rich or whether you're poor, give thanks to God and do good. Amen. We pray that this episode has been enlightening. We pray that this episode has been strengthening, that we've shed some light on a subject that I don't think gets enough conversation. Um, And if you want to continue this conversation... We have an Instagram that you can message us at, T-T-E-O-J underscore podcast. We also are on Facebook at the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. And we just recently launched our own website, tteoj.com. So feel free to contact us there with any questions or any concerns that you had about this episode, anything that you want to talk about further.
1: And also on the website, we've uh, created a, a place for you to... Um, have discussions with your family uh with your friends we've added discussion questions for each of our episodes all season one and we're starting to work on discussion questions for each of our episodes for season two and as those are published we uh, encourage you to go and discuss these things uh, and not just listen to the podcast but actually discuss and how you can actually implement these things in your lives and then sooner or later we'll have polls on each of the episodes um pages for you to go and interact with. You can see other people's, um, results. It'll be an anonymous poll so nobody will know who submitted what, but it'll just be able to gauge where people are and the type of people that are listening and different things like that. And so, uh, we are excited about the, um, we're excited about all the ways that we're able to interact with you and we hope that you would want to interact with us, but we also want to hear your questions as well. Um, we also want to hear your questions as well, and that's why we have, um, the form on our website to submit your questions. We also have a phone number, 731-439-9671. You can text us, call us, whichever one you would like. Um, we are full-time college students, so the probability of us answering the phone is slim. So if you want to reach us, um, you may be best by texting us. It is a textable number and it's not an automated response. You, you can text us we'll, and then whenever we read your message, we'll respond. Um, now our response may sound automated but we're not automated we're actual humans <laughs> but I we promise <laughs> as far as we're aware as far as we're aware yes we're actual humans at least we've passed the recaptcha thing on multiple websites but you know anyhow <laughs> we are so thankful that you decided to join us today and I think it's fitting that we close this episode with a prayer
0: let's pray Dear Heavenly father lord of all there is and creator of all there is Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've given to us. Lord, we know that you have blessed us with so much, both on this earth and if we are to join you in heaven because we're found faithful and because of your mercy, then we will have so many more blessings there. Lord, I pray for those who are are in poverty, who are struggling to meet their needs. Lord, please be with them. Please help them and please uh, allow someone to to help them please put someone in the opportunity to be able to help them and to uh, provide them with what they need lord i pray for those who are not in poverty who have enough to get by or are rich i pray that they will use their money wisely i pray that they will be able to help people with the blessing that you have given to them most of all god whatever sufferings we are going through individually or as a group help us to serve you in the struggle lord i pray that everything we do will glorify you and everything we do will bring people closer to you thank you so much for your son and it's in his name we pray amen